This podcast is recorded and produced on the unceded lands of the Darkinyung people, and I acknowledge them as the traditional owners. This is Mother Other with Amy Pearson. Today I am joined by the highly renowned singer-songwriter Tando Sequilla. We recorded this episode at the beginning of the year, and once again, I can't help but point out the weirdness of this being so relevant again, now that we're all in extended lockdown. In this episode, Tando and I discuss her growing up in Zimbabwe and moving to Australia with her family at a young age, and being a kind of mother figure to her siblings while her mother was working. Her career in the music industry peaking to success right around the time that she fell pregnant with her daughter, Charlie. We also talk about the wonderful support she received from her own mum in the postpartum period, which helped her to bloom comfortably into motherhood early on. Our toddlers are close to the same age, so we spend a bit of time discussing clingy toddlers and tantrums whilst dealing with extended lockdowns and the effect that it's had on our career. I'm sure many of you can relate and hopefully find some solidarity in this one. Enjoy. Tendo has been gracing stages around Australia with her electric presence and powerhouse vocals, claiming her well-earned status as Australia's newest first lady of R&B, which I I love that line. Tendo has been cast (laughs) in Australian musical productions of both Dreamgirls and The Colour Purple, opened for acts like Leon Bridges, and also collaborated with some Aussie favourites like Sampa the Great and Remy. Welcome to Mother Other Tendo. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat today. Thanks for having me, Amy. I'm super stoked to be here speaking to you. It's awesome. My pleasure. Um, do you want to start us off by telling us who you're a mum to? I am a mum to my 18-month-old daughter, Charlie. Um, first-time mum, so yeah, it's been a it's been a journey. Yep, amazing. And you said 18 months, is that right? Yes. 18 months, yeah. 18 months, yeah. yeah. Very close in age to mine, I remember, because we I look at the videos and I think, oh, my God, we're going through the same thing. It's so similar. <laughs> um, let's go way back. Um, can you talk to me about your experience growing up, your childhood, your family dynamic? So um, I was born in Zimbabwe and um, my mum was a career woman. Like she went to work, went back to work, I think, when I was maybe about three or four months old. So there was always a lot of family help when it came to raising us. So I was always around my cousins and aunties and my grandparents and really strong relationships and connections with them. Um, And then we moved to Australia when I was seven years old. So that was about 21 years ago now. And um, it was a very big shift and a big change in dynamic because we suddenly no longer had family around us. And it was just the four of us, my mum, dad and younger sister. And I kind of adopted the role of, I guess, caretaker for my younger sister because mm-hmm. my mother had to work. Um, and, yeah, I think that made me grow up quite fast. But that's sort of been the the thing that's made me who I am. Um, around my friends and family, I'm kind of like the nurturing maternal one of like all my friendship groups so yeah it's just it was always a lot of family a lot of love and then yeah just a really big culture shock and having to readjust to being the only family here so yeah totally yeah that would have been a big change for your mum and for you for sure massive and then what about who you were as an adult woman before you became a mum so 
your sort mm. of work in the music industry, what you were up to before you decided to become a mum? Yeah, um, I had always had these dreams of becoming a musician, an artist and touring the world and, you know, having people know my music and having it resonate with people. I love building meaningful relationships and connections with people. And I feel like that's something I'm so passionate about because I'm willing to do it with, you know, even complete strangers in the middle of the street. So I thought music was a really great way to do that. And because it's universal, it was a really great way of being able to meet so many people from different walks of life. So I never really considered any other career, um, any other career options. Um, yeah. I love, I, lo- I love the spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm partial to saying so, but yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun to sort of, yeah, draw attention. So yeah, my ambitions were always to have connections with people through the vessel of music. And I love singing and, um, yeah, a lot of the time hearing people's feedback about what, you know, a song I've written or a, a show they've come to watch me perform in has done for them emotionally really makes me feel fulfilled and mm. in my career choice. So, totally. Yeah. So you're in the midst of all of that and then was becoming a mum something that you had already wanted for yourself? Is it something that came later in life? Was it to do with the nurturing role you were playing as your um, as the older sister? Mm, I I knew that I always wanted to be a mum, always, always. I'd always sort of gone back and forth when I was younger about, I guess, when I wanted to start having children. And I've always been the kind of person who just like wants to like plan everything to a T. And obviously, as life <laughs> has taught us, <laughs> you can't plan anything mm. because things happen in their own time and, and things get in the way of those plans as well. Um, so my, my partner and I at the time, had always spoken about having kids, but it was never a serious consideration because we're both still in our 20s and music was taking off. Actually, the year that we got pregnant, we had um, been invited to this international showcase of, you know, musicians to labels and all that stuff in LA. So we were there for, you know, a week and we were partying and mm. playing music and networking with all the, you know, the who's who's over there. And that was such an incredible moment because we felt like, wow, how much better does it get than this for us as musicians? Like yeah. there's so many bucket list things that had happened just in that one week. And I think, I don't know, maybe the universe had just kind of told me, well, listen, you've had this moment to really not peak, but just like you have a taste of like what it could be if you really sort of dig your heels in and commit to it. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw you a curveball right now and let's make you pregnant and see how <laughs> becoming a parent oh, sort wow. of changes that path or if you're gonna work through it. Yeah. So we came back from that trip with a bunch of like, you know, label offers and a baby in the oven. Wow. So that that's interesting. Very, yeah, what a story. It was a really crazy year. Yeah, 2018 was just um, it was a lot, <laughs> a lot happened. Yeah. yeah, and that's so true what you say because not only like with everything going on with COVID but also just when you become a parent, that's when you I think you have this huge shift of, oh, my God, I have no control over anything. Like even if yeah. I try and map out my days to a T, like my partner and I just started working sort of properly since we've relocated and this is our first working week where we've got our toddler in daycare or being looked after most days and it's Mm. just like what's going to happen this week? Something's going to go down and it's not going to work out. You never know what it is. Um, Definitely. So what elements of motherhood were 
appealing to you, especially given that your lifestyle was so different at the time? I know that the pregnancy mm. wasn't fully intentional, but like not not unwanted, obviously, either. So how yeah. did you sort of grapple with those decisions when you found out you were pregnant? Look, it was tough because there's a lot of pressure in the industry for women or you know mothers to just kind of I guess overcommit themselves or overexert themselves in an in an effort to sort of prove that they can do both things. Mm. So I had to kind of think about that. And the way that I was going at the time obviously did not allow any room for me to I guess yeah be a mom or to just like commit myself to something other than music. And it wasn't the kind of thing that I could switch on and off when I was at home. I had to be fully immersed in it 24-7. So when I fell pregnant, I started seriously contemplating just putting a pin in it and just not doing music until I at least could get back on my feet and I found my rhythm as a parent. But I think within, it was within the first couple of weeks of Charlie being born I was just getting inundated with offers for gigs, you know, from promoters that obviously didn't know that I was pregnant because I hadn't, hadn't like publicly announced it um, or that she'd arrived at that time. So I thought to myself, okay, either I can do these gigs with her at the helm and I can just try and figure it out and then get a sense of what it might be like and to work out what my limits are, or I can just say no and really take my time, you know, easing myself back into it. And I was really lucky. I, I didn't have an eventful pregnancy. Everything was pretty just run of the mill. I, I didn't have aches and pains. I didn't have sickness. I recovered relatively quickly mm. from my C-section. So I was like back gigging within about two weeks time. I know wow. it's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. The first engagement I had, yeah, I think she was about three or four weeks old. So I sort of started drip feeding opportunities, but the big one was when we were, um, asked to go to Mullumbimby for the Mullum Music Festival. And that would have that would have been us away for about four days. Um, my partner is in my band. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, so we knew that we had to have someone with us to obviously help her. So we had his mum come along. So it was just, it became sort of like a little family trip. And it was really interesting going between like, radio interviews and whatever else during the day and then coming back to the cabin and spending time with her feeding pumping being mum and then putting her down for the night with her nana and then going back out to do a sound check and then play the gig and then not coming back to the accommodation until <laughs> one or two o'clock in the morning yeah, wow. and that just was was normal but I burnt out really really quickly yeah. doing that obviously it, it took a lot but I think I was just trying to and obviously i no one asked me to do this, but I felt pressured to just kind of keep up that momentum because obviously there's this misconception that you can't be a parent and pursue a career in the music industry, especially for women. Like, I don't imagine that kind of pressure for the men because to this day, mm. no one ever asks my partner, like, who's looking after the baby yeah. when he's out doing a gig or doing whatever else. But if I'm out and about and doing what I need to do and making money mm. and obviously needing to look after my child in that way, I always get that question. It's yeah. like, oh, who's with Charlie today? Mm. It's like, I mean, you could probably imagine she's with someone that I trust so I can be here. Mm. It's the same as, you know, working and leaving your child at daycare exactly yeah. you're doing it for the greater good it's the same thing um yeah so yeah it, it was it was genu genuinely because there was a lot of pressure to just kind of keep it going and I guess in a way as well I, 
not that I wanted to set an example, but I kind of just wanted to give a big stuff you to the people that had doubted my ability to continue my career and to be a parent. But yeah, I feel like there's been a little bit of um, fallback from that yeah. in the future. And I'll probably get into it a little bit later. It's yeah. definitely, I, I've, I don't relate on the music front, but I do relate to a lot of what you're saying. And I think a huge amount of it is society's expectations that we sort of internalize and then feel like we need to prove ourselves. Exactly like you were saying the other day, my partner and I were, we have an ongoing joke about it because it's so true. I've always been the breadwinner. I've always been the sort of driven um, business running person in the relationship. And then also I became mm. the carer, the birther, the breastfeeder, um, wanting to probably my perfectionist um, personality type, wanting to do everything perfectly, but still continue to do all the other stuff. And it's kind of impossible. Um, but, you know, you see someone walking down the street, like a man walking down the street with his baby in the carrier and people will stop and go oh what a wonderful dad yeah. and it's like really oh. would I get that comment <laughs> I wouldn't get that comment like no one would even look twice no. um and it's so infuriating but I think so much needs to change within society before it will ever be easier on us because we internalize it it's it's like absolutely maybe we should be kinder to ourselves but it's really difficult when we don't have the option to because of the way everyone yeah. perceives us so, yeah, That's it's tough. It. it sounds like you did an incredible job, though, trying to do all of those things. And obviously your body was like, or your maybe even mind was like, whoa, I need you to chill because this is too much, yeah. you know. And, like, how Definitely. hard is it to find time for ourselves amongst all of that? It's practically impossible. You said you recovered really easily postpartum, which is amazing. I don't hear that very much, so I feel like I know. I'm so it's stoked just, And I always you. feel bad saying No, don't feel bad. like no one else ever no, it's, has that sort of It's great. Experience. Like, I wish more people had that experience because it's, yeah, I'm so happy for you that you had that. But did you have any support other than your partner? during the postpartum period? Because even though you did recover quickly, it's still quite a shock to have a baby and to be doing all of the Definitely. things. Yeah. Look, I was really lucky. My mom, like in our culture, you go stay with your family once you give birth yeah. and you're with them for like that whole sort of postpartum period, that four to six weeks you're supposed to be sort of watched. You're not supposed to do anything. Mm. You don't do dishes. You don't cook meals. You don't do laundry. You don't clean. You literally lie in bed all day. You're fed and you hang with your baby and you feed and you sleep. And it really gives you an opportunity to just reset and just prepare yourself for being on your own with the baby after that period of time. So my mom came down from Sydney um, for a couple of weeks and she, she just did everything. And we were, you know, the three of us were in our little love bubble, you know, um, my partner, Charlie and I, and getting to know each other and getting the hang of things and the sleep deprivation wasn't terrible because it was just my only duty was obviously yeah. caring for Charlie at the time so it was definitely manageable and I know that not everybody has that opportunity like has access to you know family or anyone to help them like that but I was incredibly lucky um, and I feel like that's what attributed to my recovery um, being so, Maybe, so yeah. easy and so quick. Yeah. yeah, I didn't do anything. And I think that's why I probably felt um, empowered enough and, and strong enough to be able to get straight back into work the way that I did yeah. and gigs and everything like that. And I, I know for a fact that if I hadn't had that support, it might have taken me a lot longer to, to feel confident and comfortable enough, you know, with my body and with my recovery to be able to get straight back into, yeah, gyrating on stage. <laughs> 
<laughs> Some of you may remember our very first episode with Nikki Hamilton of Seedling Digital. Nikki has had so much success in her field as a web developer that she decided to package all of her knowledge into an online course to help other women, mothers and creatives build a sustainable, financially successful and fulfilling business of their own. I've completed Nikki's course myself and I can attest that she teaches you how to create one of the best business models available to mothers. Nikki is kindly offering our listeners a whopping $100 off the course. Just head to womenwealthwordpress.com and use the code MOTHEROTHER to sign up. More in the show notes. Mm, I wish there were more parents that had that mentality of I need to look after my child who's just had a child because it will help them because you know what they I mean I'm friends with a lot of doulas now probably because of the the podcast and everything but um they say that those first 40 days or whatever it is sort of shapes the trajectory into the rest of your parenting life so maybe that is maybe you're right maybe that is why you had such a great healing healing time yeah and you saying that as well I'm just remember it well just I'm sort of recalling I've had friends who you know, in that postpartum period, like they didn't really have any support and any, um, no, no family support, no friend support um, in that way. And like to now, and we've got children similar ages, to now like they find it difficult to be able to, I guess, um, to trust anyone to come in and help them with that process because obviously they've healed through it on their own so they've never like left their children with a sitter their children don't go to daycare it's a very like yeah soul carer of this person and I I realize now it's because I sort of had to throw myself into that literally from day one from leaving the hospital that I just felt so comfortable and, and trusting of the village around me and, mm. and sort of allowed that yeah because I'd, I'd never understood um why because you know obviously my brain I'm just like just leave them with a sinner let's go have coffee or whatever it is you know but uh, yeah now that I'm thinking about yeah that first postpartum period that makes a lot of sense that's probably I think that part is part of my experience too although it's not so bad now but yeah mm-hmm. being um because my family's all from here New South Wales and I was in Victoria with my partner and my parents came and helped for a little bit but they left after about a I don't know not even a week maybe five days and that was great help but as soon as they left I got mastitis I got um all of these issues yeah. he had a tongue tie it was like just like constant issue after issue I got kind of a bad hand I think in terms of the ease of a newborn but it Mm. I I guess it's been quite transformational as well and I've worked through it but yeah it definitely was really difficult for me to trust anyone to look after him for a long time Um, I'm past that now but yeah makes sense Mm. so the other thing I wanted to know was did you find mums to connect with on a deeper level than just I'm a mum you're a mum after you to become one definitely yeah I think the idea of motherhood my friends who were mothers like I think there was like definitely a relation and a connection there in the ways of uh, I see myself being a mum one day so let me just like learn as much as I can from you now but it wasn't until I'd become a mum myself um, I think the first mother's group that I went to um, while it was still run by the council, it was still very tense and awkward and I just didn't connect with anyone at all. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was weird, so I never went back again. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, once the sort of like six-week 
mandated council run part of it was over the group was still like messaging on whatsapp and then one day we just um obviously independent of it being a formal thing anymore we just decided to meet up at the playground and I thought okay well maybe I'll just give this another go because I don't actually haven't really given these women a proper chance I just felt really uncomfortable in that space so um I went and I gave another go and I know mother's group is not like it's not for everyone but this was incredibly like healing for me I think all the things that I was struggling with that I couldn't really communicate to anyone around me, like not even my mum, like, you know, bless her, like she did the best she could, but she's, my mum works in medicine. So she's just got a very like, you know, deal with it. It's not a big deal. It happens to everyone. You're not special yeah. kind of point of view. Yeah. So anything that I yeah had a complaint about or, you know, just something that I was struggling with, I couldn't ever really confide in her. So as I started going to this mother's group, it was awesome because hearing women that were, obviously going through the same thing that I was going through and the struggles that they were going through and then just sort of sharing in that it just was incredibly comforting to know that I wasn't alone in my feelings of just like I don't feel like breastfeeding and then like when the baby starts crying I was like oh because I I just wasn't I wasn't into it for the longest time like I yeah just but I had to obviously put on this brave face because I put my hand up for, you know, being a mom. I was like, oh, everything's great. It wasn't great. Mm. And Mother's Group was really the only place that I felt safe enough to just actually, yeah, be honest about how I really felt at times. Obviously not all the time, but, yeah. That's really great that you found that. I, I felt similarly when I first went to the council Mother's Group. I went once and it probably wasn't the fault of the people that were there it was probably just the the setting it was just so weird and uncomfortable and I was so out of my depth and I like I said I'd been through all of this sort of crazy stuff yeah. and it just was like ah, oh, I feel like I'm never going to get deep with these people because it's too mm. forced and too fake and so I dropped out but yeah. I ended up finding another mother's group another way but um yeah it's definitely that's awesome a strange yeah. sort of experience to be thrown into <laughs> for the first time Definitely. Yeah. It felt very like show and tell. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know for me that first, the first session, it was like, you know, tell us your birth story. Yeah. And everyone had these like really hectic stories and I was just like, Oh yeah. I was induced and had a C-section. But I think for me it was, it was more the, the nurse midwife who runs the, yeah. the, who ran the thing that made me just feel a little bit like, Oh, why'd you get induced? Yeah. Like, they're really strange. I didn't want they? to be pregnant. <laughs> yeah. And it's because yeah. it's completely subjective. It's yeah. not just like an objective way of like asking the question, like you can tell that there's some kind of like bias they have. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. The way they respond to, yeah, choices you make. And yeah, yeah I just didn't like that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's a strange mm. little thing how we have to see those. Um, I mean, I, it makes sense, I guess, in some ways how they check up on you, but in other ways, it's kind of like quite intrusive and uncomfortable um, sharing your experience. Yeah. So the other question I have for you, which I ask everybody, and I'm sure you've heard before, is how much has motherhood impacted your identity and the way you see yourself? Uh, Massively. I think I'm kind of in this weird battle with myself at the moment where I think maybe the first 12 months of Charlie's life, I was very like, I'm a mum now. This is what I do. I was making meals and 
cleaning and like just burning myself out to just kind of maintain that like Mm. perfect version of the working mom that I had in my brain and I put all this pressure on myself because when I got pregnant I started watching like mummy vloggers on YouTube yeah and I just (laughs) I just kind of thought okay so this is the standard like this is what I have to be (laughs) not at all not at all oh yeah I mean I realized that very quickly so it just kind of um the first year it was it was a lot easier for me to embrace that as my identity and I'll, I'll attribute that to Charlie's just I guess how easy she was at that time like I said I was very lucky in that she was you know her demeanor was pretty chill like I could take her everywhere and um we stopped breastfeeding after about seven months and then I was just I was pumping and she was exclusively bottle fed till she started solids and everything so you know it was it was pretty easy there wasn't really that much of a a toll on me physically Mm. from that point so I could sort of get myself back in that way um but after after the whole pandemic started we ran away we went to Canberra during stage four so we didn't stay in Melbourne yeah we went to Canberra because we knew that being with family was just um the the only option that we had Mm. otherwise we'd be in a tiny apartment for god knows how long and obviously end up being four months but all the like obviously she like had a growth spurt like all the demeanor and everything that I'd sort of grown accustomed to had changed because we were changing of environment loss of routine and there was just like nothing normal about where we were at in our lives because we didn't know when we were coming back so mm. we didn't know whether to start like you know start sort of like yeah establishing a routine again or put her in her own room and we didn't have a second room where we were staying and it was just was all a thing and I just found myself struggling because I was with her 24-7 I realized that this was the first time in my new life as a parent that she was the only focus that I had the pandemic took away my gigs and everything else that was um, still you know the remnants of my previous life so I I didn't have that sort of go-between anymore I was just mum tender and like so it was really hard to sort of reconcile not having the ability to just, I guess, be myself the way that I knew myself. And I just had to learn who this new version of me was because mm-hmm. obviously post-pandemic, there was no way to guarantee what life would be like. I wouldn't be able to just expect to go back to what it was like before. There was definitely going to be more moments where I'd have to actually be mum. But what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um And she obviously coming into, you know, all her big milestones and like learning about her feelings and how to communicate them. The last couple of months has been really tough because tantrums and tears and yeah, just learning how to navigate that and just realizing that I'm actually like in way over my head and I don't know who this version of Charlie is at the moment. And Mm. I'm just trying to learn her language and, and how to be, you know, be the parent that she is asking me to be yeah and yeah still slowing down with gigs and my career is definitely something that I've had to do especially for this period of time because yeah my absence my sudden absence after having just been there every single day during the whole you know stage four lockdown has definitely had um a negative effect on her yeah yeah daycare drop-offs are really hard she's very clingy um leaving her with anyone if I need to go do anything is really really tough and 
yeah, as strong as strong as I try to be, you know, I'll be in the Uber on the way to like whatever gig or rehearsal or whatever. And I just feel really emotionally depleted yeah. because I just want to stay home with her. Yeah. But I can't stay home with her if I don't, if I miss out on the opportunity to pay the childcare fees. Exactly. Or yeah. You know? It's such a tough thing to wrangle with. And I'm experiencing kind of the same at the moment, especially this age. I think there's that whole like they've learned separation anxiety. And so, especially with COVID, the lockdown, like we, I think a lot of people that didn't experience all the chaos in Victoria last year they didn't quite get how tough it was, like the extended lockdown and all of our careers. I'm usually a photographer, so it was the same for me, everything being cancelled and being home 24-7. It was nice to have that, um, oh, I have a kid to look after to distract me from all Mm. the crap that's going on. But, um, but yeah, it's been a really strange couple of years having a kid, huh, with all this stuff going on compared to what yeah. I guess most people have experienced up until now. How about friendships? Did you have a lot of friendships um, with people that had children or have your old friendships morphed and changed as you've become a mum? How's that sort of from? My old friendships, yeah, my old friendships have definitely morphed. Um, I, I'm... I'm really lucky to have the friendship group that I have. Everyone is so supportive and loving and they have sort of maintained being part of my village, um, you know, in, in this period. They helped me raise Charlie. That's amazing. And, yeah, so, you know, whenever I have gigs or, you know, just something that I need to be away from her for, they'll always put their hands up and, and volunteer to come here and look after her or I send her there. And that's really important to me because that way she can just actually build those bonds and those relationships with them because they are very important people to me. Mm. Um, and I, th- I think a big part of that as well is that particular group of friends, we're all sort of in the stage of our lives where we're sort of transitioning from being in our party stages of our 20s and now sort of trying to figure out what we want life to be moving forward and every single one of them is ready for children every single one of them is trying for children oh wow okay yeah so so it's a really incredible time to sort of have Charlie coming up she's the only one at the moment so she's obviously got everyone's attention (laughs) which is which is great so everyone can sort of put a hand in um but yeah it's also it's also been really eye-opening um to see you know, people who were obviously very close to me before I became a parent and how those relationships have changed now that I can't go out every Thursday night till four in the morning or, you know, just catch up. Like, obviously things have to be planned. And even if you plan them, like making it out the door is near impossible. And I think there's been a few too many times for someone who just doesn't quite understand that, it's not always easy for me to just make a plan and walk out the door and meet them. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that's, it's totally understandable. You know, not everyone will have that level of empathy until I guess they're in really close proximity with someone who's a parent and can see how difficult it can be to leave the house. Totally. It's kind of impossible until it, until you're in it. Right. Like I remember even the first few weeks you sort of go, I'm just going to go and get a coffee or whatever it is. And then like you get everything ready and then the baby does a huge poo and a snappy and you're like, okay, change the nappy. And then it's just this constant hold up yeah. with something, you know? Yeah. And so if you were, if you were a listener right now who was also sort of interested in 
being in the music industry or already is in the music industry and wants to have children, would you give them any advice or would you have any advice? Yeah, yeah. I do, I do. Um, Let things happen the way they need to happen and listen to your body and trust your gut. If you feel that you're ready to get back into it, take your baby steps and just, again, like, like I said earlier, figure out what your limits are and like how far you're willing to sort of go but don't allow yourself to burn out you also just got to trust that people will respect your time and it's so much easier to be assertive about what you know your expectations and what people's expectations of you should be because you're a parent now and you're not just doing it for you you're doing it for your household for you for your child and you want to set a good example and you want to show them that you you had a child and you still you know chased your dreams and you followed your passions but yeah don't put too much pressure on yourself to try and do it all because it's totally not your responsibility yeah totally that's good advice and in terms of I guess it doesn't have to be about the music industry but just to you personally what is success and how much has that changed since you became a mum? That's a very, very deep question. (laughs) Um, I think success to me is the closest version to happiness for myself and whatever that looks like. Um, I think for me, and obviously that's always changing just based on what's happening around me and what's happening with my child. To me, success is being able to make time for myself, make time for my career, but still have as much time, if not more, for my child. I'm prioritizing her at the moment. So if I can have you know, enough time to be there for her so I can watch her grow and develop and not miss anything like what I was when I first started doing gigs again, um, then that that is success. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm still figuring out what my identity is as a parent. And I know that I'm not a mummy vlogger type parent. I tried it. It didn't work. <laughs> Carve out my own version of what, what that is for mm. me. It's and not yeah not feel bound to what someone else's expectations are yeah totally it's funny the mommy vlogger thing because I also get stuck in that watching those types of videos and that kind of content and then having to unfollow it because I feel like also a lot of that is staged like a lot of it is staged you know I mean they wouldn't be filming yeah. on a shitty day they'd only be filming or maybe they would say oh look this is a tough day and a lot of it I'd say wouldn't be realistic and it kind of is another one of those setting yeah. us up for really for failure because we're we're expecting ourselves yeah. to live up to this standard which is just unrealistic and not very Definitely not very common. It's crazy to me because, yeah, I'm just like where do you even find the time to edit these videos first of all <laughs> and you're doing a video a week. Like I did yeah. one and I was like that literally took me two weeks and I was just not worth the effort. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It's just not not good. Yeah. It's like obviously that's time that I could be spending, you know, with Charlie. But I guess, you know, if they make it work, they make it work. Mm. But yeah, I've um definitely pulled myself out of that rabbit hole. And yeah, I think I like to consider it like what is it called? 
Oh, no, I might not use that word. It might be a bit um, <laughs> you can, inappropriate. But you, you can yeah. use whatever word you want to use. It's fine. Okay. Well, it's just like it's like m- mummy porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. That's yeah. I get yeah, it. Yeah, it's totally unrealistic. It but is. It's like you watch it, and you're like, oh, you know, I wish, I wish life could be like that. Like, why can't I? Why can't I have like this beautiful presentation of my face and my life on this oh, camera? Yeah totally candid and do a time lapse of me waking up at nine in the morning <laughs> with somehow perfectly done hair and then oh, imagine how much time after my it would child. take to get up and get ready and then put everything make the bed all you know like oh I just yeah and make it look it's like how are their houses so clean all the time like that's look I mean you can see right now I just don't even understand my house is also, I live in a very tiny, tiny place right now. It's like I've kind of shoved things under the bed so you can't see them, so don't worry. So what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, I have one final question, and that is what has motherhood given you? Motherhood has given me purpose. Mm. In the sense of if I wasn't a parent and this pandemic had hit, I don't know how I would have dealt with just having my whole identity as an artist, as a musician, completely ripped away from me Mm. and, you know, having no guarantees of being able to, you know, continue that and pursue that. I didn't feel like writing songs. Mm. I felt like helping Charlie learn how to walk and talk. I didn't feel like, you know, moping about, missing out on gigs and opportunities and you know my career was on like such an upward trajectory and obviously the pandemic derailed all that so having to start all over again I wasn't thinking about that I was Mm. thinking about how can I be the best version of me and inspire my child because that's what matters at the end of the day she's what I have and you know this industry is fleeting and this is a really great reality check for me to just kind of refocus my energies and my priorities on what really matters and she is everything she's she's my reason for doing anything that I do that's so nice so, yeah and that's so giving me purpose mm, I love yeah. I love that so much um that is all we have time for today but to everyone who's listening if you haven't listened to Tando's single numb please give it a listen because it is really really good and thank you again for coming on it's been a pleasure to chat with you and a nice little like pep for the morning because you've made me laugh a lot so thank Yay. you again <laughs> for your time <laughs> thanks for having me Amy appreciate it Some of you may remember our very first episode with Nikki Hamilton of Seedling Digital. Nikki has had so much success in her field as a web developer that she decided to package all of her knowledge into an online course to help other women, mothers and creatives build a sustainable, financially successful and fulfilling business of their own. I've completed Nikki's course myself and I can attest that she teaches you how to create one of the best business models available to mothers. Nikki is kindly offering our listeners a whopping $100 off the course. Just head to womenwealthwordpress.com and use the code MOTHEROTHER to sign up. More in the show notes.